Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon's Pro Wrestling Show, 25th of November, 2020, only one month until Christmas. I hate people that say that, and now I hate myself, and as we all know, Hanukkah, I'm not going to say is more important. I was just saying that because I'm just, people will just go nuts. Whatever you celebrate, good for you, and obviously we may have a little bit of a crazy Christmas or holiday season this year, so I hope whatever plans you do have bring you cheer and good wits. Why are we talking about this, and why am I talking to myself? Uh, straight up, before I do forget, which I always do, two things. One, thank you so much to everyone who signed up for the Patreon this week, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Even a dollar puts a smile on my face because it just, well, it's just so cool. And you're funding all of my personal projects and I made sure I sent out all the postcards and I did all the cameo-esque videos. So if you'd like one, you can check that out right now. And of course, a shout out to pinsandknuckles.com. Uh, they help me support with my merchandise. They do. They're always giving me nice deals and discounts and everything like that. So I can buy a bunch of merch, which I do put up at simonmiller.bigcartel.com. Just realized I mentioned Christmas and then plugged cr- presents by accident. I did not mean to do that. You shall have to forgive me. But hey, let's talk about Survivor Series. Um, I thought it was quite decent. The problem with Survivor Series, and one of the reasons why I enjoy coming to these... Um, these shows a few days after the fact when you can actually see what else WWE is going to do is I mean the problem is is that it, I knew it wouldn't mean anything and I was right it meant nothing I mean some people can say ah oh, but Simon uh, you know the fact that uh, the team raw swept team smackdown now means you know it justifies them being put into number one contender positions which they kind of were but my counterpoint to that would be well who else were you going to put in that position Braun Strowman is always going to be someone Vince McMahon wants to push same with Sheamus uh, well, Keith Lee's a little bit of a different conversation. AJ Styles is obviously, he, he's made his mark. And for the love of everything, I can't remember who the last guy was. So that's absolutely terrible. But the point is, I think if that was going to be the case, we should have we should have pushed it a lot harder uh, than we actually did. And we didn't do that. And while I enjoyed the show, I just knew it wouldn't have that many ramifications. We have to see what they're going to do on SmackDown. I do think SmackDown's a better show right now when you're talking about Raw versus SmackDown. Um, but yeah, Riddle was the other one. How bad is that? I forgot. I forgot Riddle. I think the clean sweep thing was interesting. Now, if you do go through all the, um, well, let's do it now. If you go, we won't count the pre-show, but if you are talking about, you know, Raw versus SmackDown, in, you know, who who won what? Obviously, Team Raw won, so that's one. The Street Profits won, so that's one one. Bobby Lashley won, so that's two one to Raw. Then Sasha Banks won, so that's two two. And then Team Raw won the the women's. And Roman Reigns was, so, you know, it was 3-3, whatever the hell that was. So we really did go 50-50 booking here, although they didn't really push it. Like in the past, they've had counters on the screen and we didn't have anything like that. And yeah, if you want to bring the Miz into it uh, from the pre-show, you certainly can. But I would have just much preferred it if there had been something we could have carried over to the shows. I mean, maybe Drew McIntyre's going to be on SmackDown again. I don't think that he will be. I think we're just going to leave that now and hopefully build it back up in the future. But that's my only trouble with it. But otherwise, I thought it was quite decent. I thought it was quite fun. If we start with that Team Raw versus Team SmackDown men's match, my favorite thing about it, now that I've sat down and think about it or thought about it, is everything with Seth Rollins. So many people saying, oh, I don't get it. It was ridiculous. But I, Seth Rollins has now gone away. I think that's pretty much been confirmed. He's off to have his child with Becky Lynch. And, you know, that's awesome for those guys. I mean that too. Sometimes those things come across like sarcastic. I really hope that um, it goes well and he can come back. But do not forget the the new character by Seth started after Survivor Series 2019. So we actually got a year out of it, which is amazing. Or after Hell in a Cell, whatever it was. So I like to think that his sacrifice was because Team SmackDown beat Team Raw. It was Survivor Series. Because Team SmackDown beat Team Raw, which is what sent Seth on this crazy, crazy path, that this was now balancing the books. Team Raw has finally won, which is what he wanted. I don't know why, but he did. And when he comes back, I honestly think you can go back to being the old Seth Rollins now. I do. I think... Given the fan base is predominantly hardcore fans, they're all going to know that he's had a baby with Becky Lynch. And that does make you more sympathetic, for right or wrong. I'm not trying to argue it, but it depends how you watch how you watch the show. But I hope they bring him back in that, guys. And I liked it. It was different. It was different. They, they need to explain that a bit better. You know, this is me kind of fantasy booking and pulling things out my ass. Otherwise... Kevin Owens feels lost, which is a shame. He's going to be guest commentating on NXT. I believe it's tonight. So that will be cool. But he kind of feels lost. I, 
when it was five on one versus Jay Uso, I think Jay Uso probably should have taken a few out to tie into the Roman Reigns storyline because that was kind of one and done before the show was over. King Corbin's in a very bizarre position, just kind of skating through life at the moment. And I, pff, Otis, I, I love it when I say things on ups and downs and it gets repeated by other people. I think it was on The Observer and some people tweeted me. You could just tell that Otis was going out when he started to run wild. And I hate that. It always makes me so sad. I'm like, oh, why Why can't we give this man anything? But it's still early days. Hopefully I'm, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. And then, yeah, when it comes to AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman and Riddle, the key threes there are Riddle, Keith Lee and AJ Styles, who obviously had all their matches on Raw. They are now going to contend to be the number one contender for Drew. It's kind of interesting because the rumor, and I get it, rumors, who the hell knows what that means, but the rumor was that at TLC, which is WWE's December pay-per-view, that it was going to be Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre. Don't know how I feel about that. You know, I don't, I don't like to crap on things too early because... They may tell a really, really good story, but it doesn't excite me, especially because, not that I mind this so much, I'll never believe that Braun Strowman is going to win that match. I just won't. It would be ridiculous to take off the, the title of Drew, and you could say that about anybody. You could say, Simon, come up with somebody that you may believe, and you're right, I can't. I certainly don't want to see another Randy Orton match. But given that Braun got suspended for punching or beating up whatever, headbutting Adam Pearce, I mean, actually, no, I've changed my mind now. I've said this out loud. My brain has gone, wait a minute, that does make perfect sense. What I'm going to assume is going to happen is that Braun Strowman is going to interrupt that triple threat match on Raw. Now, brings up a few issues because on the one hand, I'm like, I'm bored of these distractions, run-ins, and never getting a finish. But on the other hand, I'm like, it does tell an interesting story, I suppose. How that then evolves into Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre for the for the championship. How much of a mug does Adam Pearce have to be <laughs> if he's then going to book that? I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a difficult one because I guess you could argue if he screws over Keith Lee, you could also go back to that feud. And I'm convinced that AJ Styles and Riddle are going to have a program when all is said and done. I think they'll either have a match at the Royal Rumble or the TLC pay-per-view. And this is all me just speculating. I did like the format that they presented on Monday. I really, really, really did. Like, you actually got some seismic matches. I thought Sheamus versus Riddle especially was very good. I think they have great chemistry together. Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley was bizarre because it kind of changed. They changed places halfway through. Bobby Lashley was told that he had to be the quick guy at first to negate Keith Lee's strength. And then he was just using strength to beat him. I don't know what they're doing with either of those two characters. Like they protect Bobby Lashley like crazy, which they should do. I don't want people not to be protected. But I just don't know what they want to do with him. And if you now go and do a Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley US title program, does that negate the fact that they were going after the world championship? I don't know. Again, these are, these are things of me just speculating. And yeah, Sheamus is obviously going to feud with Drew at some point, but I presume they get through Braun. You know what? If they do Braun versus Drew at TLC and Drew kicks his ass, and then you do Sheamus versus Drew at the Royal Rumble, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I really, really don't. Like, having people for Drew to beat is important. It's something that AEW does very well. You know, you can talk about the matches with... I'll forget now because of my stupid brain. But Brian Cage and Eddie Kingston are the first ones comes to mind. Just notable names that John Moxley is able to go through to keep his momentum alive. And that's what we need to do with Drew. Potentially then depending on who else they can get in. The Rock is the big rumor, which I can never see happening just due to his schedule and the amount of money you'd have to pay the movie studios. And even then, they probably don't care about that. They would rather have The Rock fit and healthy. But maybe rematch Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, which I thought was an absolutely brilliant main event. I truly, truly did. I know it started off slow, but I'm not saying it was of this level, but they're the same kind of criticisms that get put against an Okada match. And it's good that it started slow because then when it did gather momentum, I feel like it... Yeah, I just think it makes it feel more impactful. And I just think right now, for the first time in ages, and this is why it's so exciting, I am not saying, because people love hearing what they want to hear, <laughs> I am not saying that I think Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns are on the same level as The Rock versus Austin. Of course they are not. Of course they are not. They are not bringing in the same amount of people. They are not resonating with the same, the same seismic audience. They're just not. They're just absolutely not. So there's no point saying it. However... When you're talking about a top babyface and a top heel in the company, these are the first two guys in ages where I'm like, oh man, I'm feeling it and I'm digging it and I'm loving it. And they both have pros and cons and things I like and things I don't like. But within the character that they're presenting, as aside from a suffering succotash or something like that, the coolest thing about Roman, I forget he's with Paul Heyman sometimes. I think Paul Heyman has deliberately made himself the background material and I love it. It's, it's Some people are going, it's just, 
No, he has evolved. He has progressed. He's clearly been given some creative freedom. And he's, he's doing an absolutely brilliant job with it. And I love everything with Jey Uso. I love the fact that Jimmy Uso was trying to protect Jay. I love the fact that I'm so invested in it that as soon as Jay did lose, I was like, oh no, it's not going to be able to sit at the table. I love the fact that Roman Reigns was wearing the merch. And Drew McIntyre is just a good dude. And that's all you need from a babyface. He's a hard-hitting, confident... Like, even when Uso tried to interfere, the first thing he did was knock him out. Because he's not stupid, and he's going to beat you. And I thought that was great. So, really, really good match. Yeah, a little bit of shenanigans, but I, I expected The Miz. And then Jey Uso is not really that much of a, of a stretch either. So it was fine. The problem there is that WWE does shenanigans and gaga for most of their finishes. But now I'm getting round to the point where, again, if I want chocolate and I order a pizza and then I'm sad, that's my fault. I've just, that's, if I don't want to, you know, if I don't want that kind of finish, I shouldn't watch WWE. So I am going to take a big step back from it. Maybe some people love it. And honestly, good for them. Really enjoyed the Street Profits versus the New Day. I mean, again, we don't know what the Street Profits are going to do, but coming out of that and the New Day having another match against the Hurt Business, who they'd beaten last week, I mean, they're both great. I mean, really good matches all around. And, you know, WWE does have a decent tag team division. They just need to structure it better and come up with some new teams. But it just sucks that you come with all this build into this match, and then you go back into a feud that's kind of already done, and it just feels lost and aimless again. And I have a feeling that we're going to get the Hurt Business versus New Day at the next pay-per-view, even though the New Day has beat them twice. And, the, you know, these are the things that I miss, the continuity, the consistency, things that were sort of all fitting together and being planned out beforehand. I do love the fact that they're in Gears of War 5. I mean, how the flip did that happen? That is just astonishing and amazing and awesome and wonderful. Uh, if you don't know, I'm a massive fan of Gears of War. I love those games. I truly do. And I think it's twofold. One, I just think it's badass anyway as a wrestling fan to see those kind of crossovers. But it also makes me jealous in a positive way. I'm not saying one day I will be in Gears of War, but I would love to be able to create something where it, it could be in the conversation or a thought in somebody's head. I have done a lot of work with those guys in the past when I used to work. I still do work in video games, just not as predominantly as I once did. Um, and I, I just, it just put a smile on my face. And then coming out in the gear was awesome. It sucked that Big E was there because that emotional farewell has been undermined a little bit. But again, that's what WWE does. Wasn't a massive fan of Sami Zayn, Zayn versus Bobby Lashley. It didn't surprise me. This is the kind of stuff we do with Sami Zayn. But I think he needs to be segued more into a... Uh, Angle kind of a role where he can be goofy and silly and a little bit of a coward but in the ring he needs to show the qualities that we know he has and if you've never seen Nakamura versus Sami Zayn when Shinsuke debuted for NXT just go and watch that for, that's all you need to know that's all you need to know the man is so good and Bobby Lashley just whipped his ass in and then again he goes on to face Keith Lee and now I think they're going to do Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley which scares me because Keith Lee's new gimmick is that he will win but he actually doesn't win <laughs> Something else will happen outside of his hands that grants him the victory. I also don't get, like, Keith Lee's big thing, if you don't know, and you can find a load of clips on YouTube or who knows where else, is that he is a big guy, which obviously you can see, but he can perform quite incredibly. You know, his athleticism is something else. So to take that away from him and just make him another big man, I just don't really get it. I just don't really get it. And I think we need to kind of just let the, let the leash off, which we're probably not going to do because... That's not how WWE sees big guys. But if you do do Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee, Bobby Lashley's going to win that. I would imagine, given how well he's been protected. I hope I'm wrong. And then where do you go with Keith Lee after that? I don't know. Oscar versus Sasha Banks, probably the best match on the show. Am I? Do I mean that? Maybe Roman versus... I think I'd prefer Roman versus Drew. But the reason I like Sasha Oscar so much, aside from the fact that they have good chemistry together, is we did just get a clean finish. You know, Sasha Banks was able to get one over... over um, uh, Oscar, which is exactly what she needed to cement her title reign to prove that she doesn't need Bailey. Oscar, you can do whatever you want with Oscar now. Not that I want you to, but she has cemented her position as this. I still think she's the best wrestler in the company, or, or one of, without a doubt. And I was just happy not to see Bailey or Carmella or anybody else involved because it would have just been too much. And that's all you need to say about it. It's nice and simple. I miss nice and simple. And of course, the women's team Raw versus Team SmackDown. I didn't get it. <laughs> I. I have no problem with trying to make Lana a sympathetic babyface. And I think the kind of hate that she gets online is absolutely deplorable. And if you did watch the documentary with her on the network, it's, it's heartbreaking. That's what they should show if they want to make her sympathetic. I do not get it. Whether you like her, hate her, she's a WWE wrestler, which is incredible. Regardless whether you like it or not, no matter what you think about the company or their practices, to decide you want to be a wrestler, and if not to decide you want to be a wrestler, but to get to that point when you are in this huge juggernaut, I think is absolutely amazing. And for somebody else to try and tear you down because of that is just bonkers. And I, it's not just wrestling fans, it's the internet. You know, you see it in all walks of life, football, 
acting music, but it it blows my brain. But you know, having her scolded by Nia Jax only for everybody else to eliminate themselves, and then Lana <laughs> celebrates like she just won an Oscar. Just a bad guy. She comes across like a bad guy. And then she's teaming with Oscar on Raw to take on Nia Jax and Shayna and they win. So now they're going to get a tag team match. It's just too random. It's too random. And it's bizarre because on Friday night, you have this show that feels very well put together and very succinct. I know that it's not because we get uh, murmurs all the time that it was written sort of five minutes before we went live. But why can't there be that kind? Of- why is it not the same? Why is it not the same? But like, it, w- it was easy to watch. It was three and a half hours. Um, obviously finished with the, the big Undertaker thing. I find that incredibly difficult to talk about too because the same people that say to me, oh, I don't want uh, I don't want uh, Undertaker to ever come back to the ring. And then they do this. Oh, rubbish retirement. You know, oh man, I can't win. I can't win here, man. <laughs> it's just doesn't make any sense to me. And what did you want him to do? Like some people say, that was very disappointing. Did you, I know I'm repeating what I said on ups and downs, but still, you're getting double Miller. Did you really want to come to the ring and go, my name is The Undertaker, and for 30 years I have rested people in peace. My real name is Mark, man. I'm on Cameo and I'm going to get drunk. No, you would have hated that. Some people still can't handle the fact he's doing interviews. For the record, I love the fact he's doing interviews. Um, round two Austin podcast, whatever the hell they're calling it, is a great watch. That is two people just getting wasted and talking about wrestling. It is fantastic. Um... I mean, it was oddly prepared. You know, all the wrestlers, the legends coming out beforehand and then vanishing and then Vince McMahon being there and Kane being in his ring gear. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the presentation. I enjoyed the fact we did focus on the entrance because that is such a defining feature of that character. And I do think he's going to come back to be inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, when we have fans. But not only do I believe that he deserves to have that moment, I don't think going into the induction, being inducted in the Hall of Fame is... That doesn't count as a return. He's allowed that moment. And that's when you want it. If you want to break the character on a big public platform, that's when you do it. You do it there. And then he can talk about all the stories. And I, do, I, mean, I just think when you've done something for three decades, I think we should give the guy a little bit of leeway, right? I think he should have a little bit of say in where he wants to take that persona. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, it went a little bit long. Um, I made the foolish decision to make a joke about the weird uh, like Tesla music they played for The Undertaker beforehand, saying it sounded like a Game Boy. And then I was spammed on my Twitter, cheap plug at Simon316, also on Instagram, with people saying, no, Simon, what's a giant bar? I know, it's just a joke. Like if, if I did ups and downs the way they wanted me to do it, I'd have to say, and it sounded like it was a Game Boy, but it wasn't, and it was written by George Arthur. <laughs> it's like, how much do you want from me? I do love the engagement, though, and the passion. Do not get me wrong. I'm never going to complain about that. You are you are wonderful, lovely people. And, of course, if you've never watched What Culture Wrestling, make sure you go and do that right now. I promise. That's right. I promise you'll enjoy it. No, you won't enjoy it. You'll get mad at me, but it's all so forth. Otherwise, I can't even remember what happened on Raw now. How terrible is that? Do you know what? It's so bad. I usually have notes up on the screen. But um, I have... Actually, no, I know where my notes will be. I know where my notes will be. That's right. Well, basically, if you're interested about the ups and downs process, I watch it and I just write a script as I go. Um, and I will have it somewhere. The problem is, it's got to be that one. It's got to be that. It's going to be Survivor Series now. I'm going to be so mad. No, I'm right. It's correct. Yeah, the Adam Pearce stuff, we kind of mentioned that. It was fine, whatever. It is what it is. I, I quite like the Adam Pearce character. I would much prefer it if he had a backstory. And I thought maybe this week we over-relied on him. But if we are going to have magical matches being made, we may as well have an authority figure. At least he's a neutral authority figure. He's kind of segued into the William Regal role. Personally, I think William Regal does it better. But I like I like um, Adam Pearce. I think he's I think he's good. I love the Firefly Funhouse. I was absolutely amazed to find out a lot of people didn't. I was like, no way. The fact they introduced Friendship Frog, which cut Friendship Frog, that's gold, man. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good gold. I was cracking up. And then they killed him and had a, a tribute video for him. Oh, man, I love stuff like More stuff like that. And Bray Wyatt can get away with it because it's a kid's TV show. That's what I don't get. Some people were moaning about it. I was like, do they realize it's meant to be a kid's TV show? I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't know what they think it is. Uh, but yeah, just brilliant. All the women's stuff I thought was, yeah, complicated and rushed, which, pff, you know, I don't know. Nikki Cross versus Alexa Bliss, really, really good. I like the fact that Alexa Bliss won. I like the fact she cheated her friend. I'm getting the big impression that Nikki Cross is the bad guy here. You know, she has given up on her buddy after saying that she wouldn't. Um, and also got tricked like a moron, which is usually, well, you know, WWE kind of treats everyone that way, but I, I'd much prefer that. They are much more inclined to cheer Alexa Bliss and boo Nikki Cross, but that was nice. I liked it. And the main event, you know, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton should have been promoted beforehand. There should have been sort of more noise on it on social media. Um, and of course we had, you know, we set up the Fiend versus Randy Orton. Uh, 
I think my issue with The Fiend is that I prefer Firefly Fly House Bray Wyatt. I know. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. I made the mistake. Again, you can't do a tweet these days. And I went, oh, I think that the Firefly Funhouse is better. And you get, no, I need to have both. You have to have, <laughs> I know, I'm just insulting everyone today. But um, yeah, it's, uh... right. If there's a weird little cut in the podcast here, it's because I have um, Google News updates on my um, on my machine as I record. And it popped up saying that Maradona had died. And I was like, what? Diego Maradona, I mean, if you're not into football, huge footballing legend, controversial here in England, uh, after he basically handballed, <laughs> used his hand to, sm- <laughs> to smash a ball into a net during the World Cup. It took me aback. I'm a big football fan. I don't talk about it much because there's enough people yelling about football. But yeah, I just saw it. I was like, what? And it just threw me. And then I went to do some looking on the reputable websites and I can't find anything. But I thought I would mention it because the cut's going to be too weird. Uh, we won't talk about that. Well, maybe we will. But yeah, sorry. I can't even remember what we were what we were talking about. Bray Wyatt versus um, Randy Orton. Oh yeah, I, I prefer the, the, the Firefly Funhouse character. It's a little bit of a worry because I wasn't a massive fan of round one between Orton and Bray Wyatt, but they are very different characters now. Um, the, the pop-up, you know, like, the, the, the little pop-up over the barricade was a bit cheesy. And if you are a keen watcher of uh, wrestling YouTube, you will have seen multiple people showing that they actually, um, the camera angle was in a poor position. You saw Bray Wyatt sneak back into the ring, <laughs> which cracked me up. And I, I don't really care about stuff like this. I don't because it is just wrestling. But sometimes it, it does bang you over the head a little bit. And you are like, well, that's kind of taken me out of the moment. Why did Randy Orton get freaked out, but not AJ Styles? AJ Styles just should be terrified by um, by The Fiend. Of course he should. Like, of course, he 100% he should if that's the idea of the character. But whatever. Enjoyed the match. That's the way he got out of it. Uh, Randy Orton go off with The Fiend. We'll do AJ Styles uh, in the number one contender match. Braun Strowman probably gets involved. And then away to the races we go. I didn't think it was the worst episode of Raw. Overall, I just, it just, I don't know, for me, I know lots of people quite liked it. I really like the wrestling. I really like the wrestling, but I think there was too many false finishes. And that's my bugbear, as you know, if you if you listen to all my stuff. For better or for worse. Probably for worse. But they are my bugbears. But uh, I do think WWE is kind of decent right now. If they cut down, I know they're never going to do it. I'm not going to get into it. I've talked about it a thousand times. If they cut Raw down to two hours, WWE would be absolutely fine. It truly, truly would. It's that last hour which always feels like it's drags, which may be why SmackDown smashing it. I think Dynamite is a consistently good show. Same with NXT. I mean, NXT has been more experimental recently, or should I say more WWE main roster. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. Um... Is it better now than it was? Mm, debatable. That's probably a whole podcast there. And maybe we'll get into it. Uh, we'll get into it at some stage. But I do think really the wrestling hasn't felt... It doesn't. There's nothing that's really... There was a time when Raw felt like it crapped the bed a lot. Right? Like it really, really crapped the bed a lot. Like, oh man, this is a chore to get through. To the point we had the McMahons and Triple H come out and say, sorry. You know, I think you can't... You know, you can, be, you can defend WWE, AEW, your wrestling promotion of choice as much as you want, and I respect you for that. But when the company owners come out and went, you know, someone kind of screwed up, you, you don't have a leg to stand on. You don't. I think at the moment, all the shows are watchable, aside from the extra 60 minutes, because again, two hours is the optimal optimal time as far as I'm concerned. Other than that, I don't really think much else is going on, which is kind of weird for this time of year. There's usually something. Um, if you watch Impact, the big talking point is that Hornswoggle dressed up as AJ Styles. I like Goofy. I thought that was one step too far. <laughs> I just did. Um, but some people loved it, right? I just, I just thought it was just, it's just too dumb. And I think it was probably too dumb because on the same show with Johnny Bravo, he just comes out and goes, oh, it's Larry D or Lawrence D, whatever his alter ego is. And he went, yeah, it was me. And I was like, man, that was like six months of TV. <laughs> we just blew it off. Oh, I really laughed. I really laughed. I was like, no, I don't, I don't think that was very, very good. Uh, the Young Bucks book is out. I've started listening to it on audiobook because I'm obsessed with Audible. Uh, it's not narrated by them, but that doesn't necessarily bother me. Although I will say I listened to Jim Ross that way and having Jim Ross tell the tale was pretty damn good. I'm only about halfway through. I think if you're into wrestling, you should absolutely get it because it may as well be called what to do if you don't want to wrestle in WWE and there's no one else to work for. And that's not true. Your indies, New Japan, which is what they do. Just read it. It's it's a really, really good read. It's very inspirational. Um, very motivational, especially if you're maybe a young up-and-coming wrestler. It will absolutely give you the the fire in your belly. I think it's out here now in the UK. Like I say, it must be if I've got it on, 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 on um, uh, what's it called? on uh audiobook i'm looking now as we go um i don't know december the 10th it comes out well, how the hell am i able to listen to it on oh, maybe, do i have a u.s account i don't know whoops <laughs> i never i never said any of that how was that work does it come out on 
I must come out an audiobook first. I don't understand how it works. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Either way, get it. Uh, all of you may be listening to this in America. Definitely check it out. It's one of my... I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite. I like most wrestling books because I'm a massive loser and nerd, but it's right up there. It was absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, The Undertaker's Retirement was what everybody else was talking about. I'm trying to think if I've forgotten anything. because Oh, the Renna Young podcast. I listened to that too. Well, I listened to snippets of it. Um, and her first guest is John Moxley. That guy, I mean, it's, it's, we're getting to the point where you have to talk about wrestlers from, of, of the year. And John Moxley has got to be in that conversation for me, without a shadow of a doubt, to the point where he doesn't even feel like um dean ambrose anymore they feel like two different people and i you know at this stage if you want to start saying to me that 100 percent officially no going back wwe dropped the ball with that character i'd be hard pushed to disagree with you do you know what i mean how could you disagree with that it's he feels like a world champion and while we i know me especially and other people wanted him to feel like a world champion in um wwe he didn't i know he was but he felt like he felt like a cm punk level a jericho level a kevin owens level whereas in AEW, he feels like a star he feels like the main event he feels like someone they needed probably a bit strong but he has been such a plus and a highlight for that company so he would be in there i mean we'll do a whole show when we get sort of another month in but uh who else i mean roman reigns i know it's kind of only been half the year drew mcintyre uh kenny omega will always get in that conversation for me even daniel bryan who hasn't done that much anyone that every time he steps in the ring i'm like so good sasha banks bailey um thunder rosa i mean not wrestler of the year but in terms of people that i've really warmed towards and an overall level Britt baker all these people i think would be in the conversation but yeah you can check out i keep calling her renee young i shouldn't it's renee paquette but i don't think that's how you pronounce it because it may be french canadian or something like that so if i am doing her a disservice i want to apologize to her because that is no that is no good at all um let me double check i haven't missed anything otherwise impact was fine we've talked about that oh we got to, of course it's wednesday this is the whole reason we do it we've got to talk about what's happening on aew later we're a week away can you believe it? a week away from that massive show where the hell does the time go it is absolutely terrifying um but here's a lineup for tonight chris jericho and jake hagar versus scu that'll be interesting Sheeda versus anna jay that'll be good pack and ray phoenix versus the butcher and the blade will be so good will hobbs is in action he turned heel we haven't talked about that yet oh i loved it the criticism there was almost like a WWE angle. WWE are capable of doing good angles. Like, this is okay. <laughs> this is this is absolutely okay. So, yeah, I, I, I want to see where they're going with that. It's a great faction. That's the other thing. Oh, too many factions. Not for me. Everyone should be in a faction. Why wouldn't you want buddies? Everybody wants friends. Hangman Page returns to take on John Silver. That will rock. And, of course, after their debut last week, the Top Flight will take on the Hybrid 2. That's a crazy story. Top Flight. I mean, everyone's going to try and do it now and it won't work. But they just Instagram message the Young Bucks. Instagram message. And for some reason, Matt Jackson looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Flipping hell yeah to those guys. They're only like 19 and 20. Oh, man, that stuff inspires me massively. And over on NXT, yes, Kevin Owens is going to fill in for Wade Barrett. That will rock. Uh, we've got Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae. And we've got that ladder match, right? And the ladder match determines who gets advantage in war games in a few weeks' time. Look, WWE ladder matches are never bad. Like, genuinely, I don't, I can't even think of a time they've had a bad one. You, of course, now will be able to um, tell me about, <laughs> about many, many bad ones. But I, th- I think it sounds decent. I think it sounds decent. The ongoing war of words about ratings. I know I, I talk about this a lot. I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm done with it because there is interest there. Of course, there's interest there. But. I just don't care. Like, I just want them both to do really well. I want AEW to do well. I want NXT to do well. I just hope they all kick ass. Like, even the Young Bucks in an interview this week said they don't watch NXT because it would probably, I think their, their quote was, screw up our brains. And I was like, yeah, I can completely understand that. Jim Ross talks about that in his book, going back to that, how he would try and watch Nitro when he could. But he had to focus on himself first, on the WWE, because there was too much to do. And I think we forget that, you know, only the Young Bucks now the tag team champions, but they're EVPs or whatever their official title is. They're helping other people. They're hiring. They're firing. So far and so forth. It's a lot on their plate. And also they're trying to develop a brand new wrestling company. It's only officially been around for like 11 months or whatever it is. So 13 months. It's not a long time, given we've been watching wrestling, uh, WWE for like 97 years when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. There's a lot of uh, historical inaccuracies of what I just said. So, yeah, I, I, I just sometimes people just get too mad about it, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And it's the, same, it's the same with the Raw ratings. Like SmackDown's doing so well at the moment. SmackDown's doing some of the best uh, numbers it's done for months, especially in the coveted 18 to 49. But Raw was up this week. It did do a big drop from, from uh, hour one to hour three. But I, how is it not going to? Who is watching 180 minutes of wrestling, right? 
Put your hands up. Vince McMahon is, but that's his job. I don't think the wrestlers would watch it. <laughs> I, don't think want, I don't think they'd want to do it at all. So, uh, the other interesting story that came out this week was from Ricky Stark. Ricky Stark was on Chris Van Vliet's uh, wrestling podcast, which you should go check out. Always YouTube channel. Uh, really, really. It gets all the best. How the hell he does it, I don't know. It gets all the best guys. And apparently on the day that he had a match with Cody, you know, the TNT title open challenge, apparently someone from NXT WWE rang him and said, oh, we've been looking at you. Do you want to come in? <laughs> it's just, the war is on. Don't you tell me that there is no flipping war between these two companies. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea just to sign talent for the sake of it. I really, really don't. I think you should sign people that you want to do something with and try and not build a company around, but that you think can be a good addition to your roster. But I would much rather live in a world where a guy like Ricky Starks, who's clearly talented and clearly deserves an opportunity, is given that opportunity and then has people fighting over him. Even if one of the people fighting over him is coming from a little bit of a cynical place, that's fine. If it means he gets more money and more exposure and more fame and more wrestling or more whatever the hell that he wants, hell yeah, man. Plug me in. I'm, uh, I- I'm all ready for that. And I'm excited about both shows later, especially because, I mean, AEW has to do something big, has to do something really, really big later between Hangman and... Omega to Omega, uh, he's fighting himself, Hangman and Moxley to really sell people on the idea. This is a massive main event next week on free television. Everybody can watch it. It's kind of interesting about where you put it in the show because it's going to have a 60 minute time limit. So I guess you technically should put it at the start of the second hour, but then it shouldn't go a, it shouldn't go an hour. I think that's too long for a television audience. So that means there has to be stuff after it. They have this concoction of things they need to make sure that they hit on many levels. And I don't doubt they can do it. And I think that match is going to be phenomenal either way. And then we, we'll talk about this more next week, of course. I guess, uh, yeah, we will. We'll have one before then. But the big question is, do you pull the trigger? Do you have John Moxley lose his world championship after a year of holding it? And like we've already talked about, being such a star for the company. I think maybe you do. But then I kind of think maybe there's actually some more worth in Hangman winning, uh, Omega winning it in a couple of months. And really kind of tricking you. Or are we, you know, are we stalling it out a little bit? Because when Moxley won, I don't think that was actually the plan. But I think Tony Khan at all were like, look, man, he's got so much momentum. People are going crazy for me. We want that big pop. It will make for an amazing pay-per-view. And they were right. Whether or not we should have taken off Jericho, we should have put it on Moxley. And that feeling won out. And wan? <laughs> wan out. That's my new phrase. And I think Omega should win it. I think if we're going to go into next year and he's our pet project to return him into the cleaner, then do it now why you know why wait but then you've got to make sure you've got a plan for moxie as well this is why it's so cool to have stuff like this multiple layers different directions so many storylines i think it rocks and it's why i think we're coming to the end of the year and wrestling is not in the in the worst place imaginable in fact i think it's quite good as always i asked for your questions uh simon 316 usually does it but if you're a podcast person a podcast person a patreon person i ask you guys as well as always did i load these up beforehand no why is that simon because i'm an idiot you're 100 correct my man bobby says do you think there's anyone on the current roster who will match the longevity at the top level of the undertaker no i don't because i don't think we're living in that world anymore I mean, if you look at guys like Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, uh, who else am I thinking in that category? That's enough. <laughs> they are coming to the end of their careers. So while they've had that kind of tenure, you know, they've been an impact and New Japan and Independence and Ring of Honor, so on and so forth. Someone like Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, already in their mid-30s, and they're each coming into their own now, but it's not going to feel the same as somebody like The Undertaker. So you have to kind of go back down to someone who's just breaking through. And I tell you, I'm going to be wrong. I'll forget someone. But... Dominic Mysterio is the only dude that comes to my mind that is super young and getting a push on TV. I'm pretty sure Murphy is past 30. Seth Rollins is past 30. Not that it's got anything to do with age, but we're talking about longevity here, which means you have to start young. I mean, Dominic Mysterio could do it because of his family ties and because he is very, very talented. But to put somebody in the position like Taker was, you need... Or you need something else entirely. I don't think we book wrestling like that now. AEW could have it, like a Jungle Boy or an MJF that could be synonymous with that company. And probably a bunch of other guys that I'm not, I'm not thinking about right now. But I don't see... Bray Wyatt is the, you know, the, com- the comparison in terms of character. But even then, he's, he's transformed so much he's never going to feel the same. He's never going to feel the same. So um, just to point out as well, Maradona did die. Flipping hell, man. What a time. He had a cardiac arrest at home. Well, geez, that's something to talk about. Man, 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 word. Controversial figure, but honestly, one of the greatest football players ever, if not the greatest football player ever. That has knocked me out. 
I mean, obviously it hasn't. My man Till says, how would you book another feud or reunion for Sasha and Bailey? If it's even possible after what feels like 978 times. I want to say I enjoy your solo, solo podcast a lot. Even when I tune out of wrestling for a bit, I still listen to them. Well, thank you, Till. And on that note, I would like to apologize for the inconsistency and the um, reduc- reduction in episodes. I don't want to get into my personal life. I had to make a few changes. Short term, I'm hoping to get into 2021 and, and ramp back up again. But uh, hearing stuff like that is great. And hopefully, you know, less is more and you look forward to it. I mean, it's not really been reflected in the listening figures, but <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But no, I do appreciate that. It, I find it crazy that I can sit here in my house with a microphone, rant and rave for around about an hour and people actually want to listen. So thank you very much. The cool thing about where they've left Sasha and Bailey, I don't mean to keep comparing it, but look, it is something that AEW does well they have left the door open to come back to it whenever they want. It's like when Cody comes out and goes, I'll deal with Darby Anna later. I want to go back to MGF because they left the MGF day open. We've done that with Sasha and Bailey. They are, you know, the Batman and Joker. They're Superman and Lex Luthor. They can, they can go at it forever. I don't think they should re- reunite for years. I'm talking not even 2021. I'm talking 2022 onwards. And even then, you're going to have to have a nice long story for it. And you probably want to have them baby faces at that point as opposed to heels. But it would make perfect sense. I mean, if Bailey's going to feud with Peyton Royce, which did kind of give me the impression on Survivor Series, she can go through that. She can go through a bunch of other people. But if a few months she wants to turn around and go, right, I'm coming after you again. I know WWE always said they're not going to do those rematches, but they still do them. And it's a match I want to see because I like both characters and I like the chemistry they have. So I just think you, the seed is planted. You just need to make sure it grows properly. I don't know what that means. But I've said it now. My man Peter says, who do you think will win the MLL, MLW? Man, we never talk about that. Opera Cup. Here are the brackets. Now, I'm not going to lie. I really like MLW from afar, but I only have so much time in my life. So it's not really something I've ever properly watched. Um, but the brackets are Tom Lawler versus Rocky Romero, which is cool. Laredo Kid versus ACH, also cool. <laughs> Richard Holiday versus TJP, you get the point. And Low Key versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Well, there's so many rumors about Davy Boy Smith Jr. going somewhere else. I doubt it's going to be him. Low key doesn't need it. TJP doesn't need it. Rich Holiday, potentially, you know, if you want to get behind. I mean, looking at that there, I can see ACH winning it, given his um, comeback, we'll call it. I don't want to get into all of that. We talked about it months ago, but or years ago now, maybe. But yeah, looking at that there, I can probably see ACH doing it and then MLW getting behind him. Because he is talented. No two ways about it. My man Josh, Roman versus Drew was honestly one of my fave matches of the year. Both guys are fire. How would you book the rematch down the road? I mean, at WrestleMania. We've already established that they are top guys, that they have a feud. You know, when they get together, there's lightning and comes through and it's amazing. So you just need to make sure you build that up. If The Rock, (laughs) we would talk about this. If The Rock is not going to be at WrestleMania, which seems very unlikely to me, I think it should be Roman versus Drew. And I think that's when Drew should get his win back. Now, this turns into an Undertaker-Brock Lesnar situation. Does Drew McIntyre need it? But I would say yes. He is still in his infancy of being a top guy. He's still only in his mid-30s. You know, John Cena didn't leave the company until he was in his 40s mid-40s. So if you want to do the same with Drew, Drew, you have a good 10 years now to turn him into that guy, but he needs wins and he needs to win on the biggest stage. And you can say the same for Roman, but Roman's the heel right now, so his job is to put over the babyface. So they can easily get back to that. I would unify the titles, which is never going to happen. I think that would be a massive deal, but I would set it up for WrestleMania. It's like four months away, five months away. That's long enough to do it, long enough to make you forget about it. Even if you want to push brand versus brand as much as I hate it, I'd buy into it because I think it's the right thing to do. But yeah, I absolutely would have them do it again. Uh, My man Josh, curious on your takes on NXT UK. I know you did a video talking about Walter and Dragunov, but have you gone through the whole show? P.S. The Heritage Cup tournament matches or something else? In a good way. Yeah, I watch NXT UK. I mean, look, NXT UK is uh, very personal. I'm British, right? I'm a British wrestler. So I want NXT UK to do really well. And a bunch of people on there I know and I like and I'm friends with. And I hope that they all reach whatever success they want to reach. I think it's a good show. Uh, I think if you watch a lot of wrestling, you're probably not going to watch it because it has to be a cutoff point. But I think if you've got more time in your schedule, you should watch it. It's a decent show with really good wrestlers. And it all makes sense. And it's consistent. And it has good stories. The only reason it doesn't get watched that much is because it's, you know, the UK uh spin's not the right word but putting uk on it means that there's going to be a bunch of uh, non-uk people they're like well i don't really want to watch it and i get it that's you do it with anything that's what's going to happen a man atlanta rising says what was one bad storyline or gimmick you wish you could have worked well repo man <laughs> that's an easy one a hundred percent repo man i mean if i could portray repo i mean it would have to be now because i think you need the irony of it being repo man 2.0 
I will do that if any big company is listening. I've got no shame. I'll be Reaper Man 2.0, no problem whatsoever. Red Dog says, can I book you for an interview on my podcast? Sure. Email me in my, uh, there's a link in my bio, email in my bio. Email that. I will say, I haven't been great at getting back into emails recently, but I always will eventually. I don't want to get into it. Uh, Rassel Grapp says, if AEW and New Japan were to form a partnership and you had the power to book three matches, what matches would you choose? What a question. I mean, I guess Omega versus... Abushi for obvious reasons you just have to get that story across to the more casual fan and they'll absolutely love it um i'd probably try and put john moxie versus suzuki on american tv because i think people would go absolutely crazy for that which probably leaves uh, i mean it's got to be a carder versus somebody but then i left out tanahashi do you know what i don't think i've ever seen a carder versus cody rhodes that's probably happened and i've just forgotten about it because that was that time when everybody was wrestling everyone but I would like to see Okada versus Cody Rhodes. I'll be forgetting two massive stars now and I'll kick myself in the ass. But we've done it now and onwards we move. Jay just says, how are you doing today? That's very nice. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Um, you know, lockdown 2.0 ends in a week here in the UK. Kind of brings up an interesting dynamic because on the one hand, it's good for your mental health. but the other, you want to be health and safe and you don't want to make anybody ill and stuff like that. So you're like, man, going around the houses. But no, ultimately, I think I'm doing okay. I'm taking things day by day and seeing where we end up on the other side. And Trine says, what would you recommend to watch and catch up for someone who doesn't know much about wrestling? I've seen only minimal of it, but I've just realized through your videos, it's kind of like fighting and martial arts LARP, which is live action role play. I did not know that and I suspect I might like it a lot. Watching, I mean, that's a, that's a great explanation. Fighting LARP is what it is. Getting into wrestling is really hard because, yeah, where do you start? I mean, I don't know is, is the honest answer. I think you should probably just sit down and start watching and hope that the people in charge have enough respect for you that they will try and tell you the story. And I would say at the moment, WWE or AEW or most companies don't do that great because they are focusing on their main audience first which again is their right but any good wrestling company should be able to catch you up to speed on characters and and stories but you just need to sort of dip your toe there's no point in saying i'll go back to 2011 and go from there that's an absolute waste of time well you can do it but i don't think you're going to get into it so um i think you just sit down and start watching you know what the best way to do it actually is my brain is just thrown it in there do it with a friend do it with a friend that watches wrestling they can walk you through it they can explain it and they can give you the, you need the context and you need to ask stupid questions. No, no, sorry. You need to ask questions about stupid things that happen because there is a lot of, oh, it's just wrestling stuff that's going to come along with it. So that's what I would say. But I do think it's quite hard to get into if you're an adult. I do. My man Aiden says, where was Big E at Survivor Series, Simon? He's supposed to be a star, a possibly possible WrestleMania main event. He's going to have to win the Rumble. Why didn't they do it? Well, two things. The two positions he could have been in were on Team SmackDown or in the, Royal, the Battle Royal. He wasn't going to win the Battle Royal and Team SmackDown was going to get clean swept. So if we do actually have plans for Big E, we've got to protect him. And the best thing to do is keep him off the show. He doesn't have to be on every show, right? But he does need something at the moment. I certainly agree with you there. So the issue we have is... I mean, look at Drew on Raw, right? I like the fact that Drew wasn't on Raw. He didn't need to be on Raw. His, his presence was everything. And it will be mean more when he comes back next week, cuts a promo, does whatever he does. The thing with Big E is he needs a feud. He needs an establishing feud to tell people that are used to him as the New Day guy that, oh no, we're actually going to push him in this sense. That's what we need. And we haven't got it at the moment. And I don't really know why. But I, I would like him to be Universal Champion before the end of next year. Uh, I get that there's other projects that we're focusing on at the moment, but now's the time. You don't need to turn him serious. You can give him a more serious side, but we've got to start treating him like the star that he is. And I do believe he's a star. I really like him. I have a... Uh, there's just something about him that I enjoy. I want to see him on my TV. And he's, he's, he's credible, right? Because he looks like he could whip your ass. So that's why I didn't actually mind that he wasn't on the pay-per-view, because I just didn't think that there was a position for him where he wasn't going to lose. And right now, despite what WWE may say, wins and losses do matter massively. <laughs> they really do. My man, Mike, what did you think? Who do you think the biggest signing will be with one of the major companies or even the next person to jump ship from one or the other? Is there any big signings out there? I can't think of anybody. That would be like a massive deal. I mean, there's lots of cool people that I would want to get signed, but a massive deal would be like Sting. But Sting can't wrestle anymore, so it, uh, it doesn't have the same gravitas, although I would go crazy because I love Sting. I can't say... I mean, the, the people jumping ship that would make a big deal are the obvious ones in AEW who formed the thing. 
or someone like but this is not going to happen if roman reigns or seth rollins or even baron corbin to a certain extent if one of these guys that is synonymous with wwe jumped to AEW, it would be massive but i don't think i don't know i don't think this is not going to happen so it's kind of it kind of feels fruitless to even talk about it's, it's obvious to talk about right if john cena turned up in AEW, yes it would be massive and if cody rhodes went back to wwe or kenny omega did it people would lose their mind but i don't think anybody from AEW is going to do it unless the company falters which i don't think it's going to and i do not think the top top guys in wwe would do it because they're We've got a great life. <laughs> Doesn't mean they wouldn't. But even if a Dolph Ziggler does it, to me, that's not as, oh my gosh, as, yeah, as, as somebody else. Because I guess because his best years are behind him. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that's life. And life sucks. And life kind of kicks your ass after a while. So, yeah, it's 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 difficult. But, big, I don't know. Who knows what the future holds? Like 10 years down the line, we're going to be in a very different scenario to what we are now. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, John says, Simon, what do you think of Dave Meltzer and do you listen to the Wrestling Observer radio and um, podcasts, uh, radio shows, etc.? Yes, yeah, so I here's the thing with Dave Meltzer and Wrestling Observer. I really, really like it. I think I've said before I'm a massive fan of Brian Alvarez. Uh, I just enjoy his rants and him going crazy. And I also think he understands that people shouldn't take him seriously and yet they do. But that kind of, you know, that's how I see it as a whole. The most thing that people get annoyed about when it comes to Meltzer are the star systems. The big conversation I see all the time is you know oh we shouldn't we shouldn't why, why does he get to say it and why does blah blah blah, blah. And it's just like he's just a guy like he's a very 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 experienced guy and his his historian knowledge is second to none it's absolutely incredible but you should shrug off his five-star rating system like you would a review from ign or empire magazine or whatever the hell you use like it's just one guy talking about it now he has a bigger platform, which he's worked for, by the way. And he's got, again, he has the, the, the historical knowledge. But his opinion's just as valid as yours. And you just sit in your house and watch wrestling. Of course it is. So I think that's where all the controversy comes. And yes, sometimes he says really, really, really stupid stuff. He just does. And he's come out and apologized for some of that stuff. So he must know it as well. Um, but I just I enjoy it because I find it entertaining and I find that they are very, very well connected and I find that they're very, very knowledgeable and it's just a couple of hours a week that I can put on and forget about life. It's a distraction. I don't ever want it to get more than that and I'm just happy they're doing really, really well because as we talked about earlier, I want everybody to do well. I do. I want everybody to do well and hopefully I'll be a part of that buzz. And if I'm not, well, then I'll look internally and go, Simon, what have you done? Why aren't, why aren't you doing so well? And then we can go from there. Hilariously, you can tell that. So I put the, the tweet up and now people are messaging me going, Simon, what do you think about Maradona passing away? Because no one ever reads the fact that it said wrestling questions, which is fine. I appreciate it. Genuinely, it's crazy because he is one of the biggest football players ever. And I know that he recently had a brain tumor, I think, or he had some kind of surgery done and he was being sent to rehab. And the fact that he had a heart attack probably suggests that he was maybe consuming a lot of alcohol. That's just me speculating, but that was in the press a lot. It's huge. Like, it is the, you know, it's, oh, I'm trying to think of major stars now. It's like a Babe Ruth dying or a, a Muhammad Ali. I mean, it truly is. I mean, maybe he didn't have the an impact on the world as much as those guys did. Well, I'd just probably say it's more than Babe Ruth. I mean, that's a conversation for a different time. But when you're looking at football and you say to someone who are the best players ever, usually they go, George Best, Pele, Maradona. And Maradona, honestly, sometimes comes out on top. You can have that conversation forever. Then you get into the Messi's and Ronaldo's. And I'm sure they'll go to the top as generations pass and we get older. But yeah, that's why I stopped the podcast to check it out because I didn't believe it. I just thought it was somebody talking crap. And there'll be some football fans listening now going, oh, Miller scored with his hand against England. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not going to get worried about something from 30 years ago or the hell it was, late 80s. I got real problems to worry about now. And it is just football. I like football. But if you start taking stuff too seriously... Uh, you'll you'll drive yourself nuts. And that, look, let's tie it back into wrestling. That's how I feel about wrestling. I do. I really, really do. Luke says, Simon, why is AEW doing nothing with Lance Archer? It is weird because he was going after John Moxley at one point and then he just didn't. I mean, look, plans change, right? Plans change all the time. But I do think we have something there with Lance Archer. Uh, he, but he doesn't have to be in the main event, but I would like to see him, you know transition into a proper feud with somebody a bit, a bit like Big E right I want him to have a constant thing that goes on TV can see the character evolve etc etc it's why I'm not massively fussed that Brody Lee isn't on TV at the moment because I know he's injured otherwise I'd be like where the hell's Brody Lee he has not an easy gig but an obvious gig as the leader of the Dark Order you can just film skits like that till the cows come home so uh yeah um Richard says Simon what do you think about the Young Bucks 
and the opinion that they have no ring psychology. <laughs> These questions and are nothing but spot monkeys. I think that's utter nonsense. Also, I don't like the, this diminishing term that it's really easy to be a quote-unquote spot monkey. No, it's not. Do you know how hard it is to... to anyway, let's not talk about that. No, I think the Young Bucks have... I think there's a... Just an opinion. I think there's a group of people out there who don't like the Young Bucks for one reason or another. I know what those reasons are. Whatever. You're allowed your opinion and I massively respect it. But I think it's become a stereotype or an, uh, whatever you want to call it that has followed them around. I think not only do they embrace what modern wrestling has become, not better than anybody else, but right up there, the selling, be it Matt's back or is his ankle recently, Nick Jackson's hot tags, the character work they do. Like, I didn't really understand why they went bad guys recently, but I appreciated the turn from a, a performance standpoint. I thought this really, they're showing different sides to their, to their personalities. And when you go through their book and you realize, like they tell this amazing story about when they had a WWE trial in the late 90s, I think. I can't remember. And they went away with this feeling in their stomach of, I'm not 100% sure that kind of environment is right for us. And I think that's so important to hear from people that are that successful because not only does it show courage, not only does it show standing by your own convictions, but it does show that you can create your own path for yourself. If you want to start talking about using social media to develop a brand, you start with the Young Bucks and what they did on Twitter and being accessible and being open. And I think when you throw all that in together, they are the quintessential 2020 wrestlers. And I mean that as positively as possible. I never see them have a bad match. They absolutely tell stories. They don't always do high-flying match, high-flying match, high-flying match. They can, but they're not exclusive to it. And, I mean, overall, I don't think they're underrated. But I do think they get a bad rap by some people who just don't like them. I'm not just referring to Jim Cornette here. Look, Jim Cornette has allowed his own opinions, making a bunch of money. Good for him. You know, it's not my, it's not my personal take on pro wrestling, but I'm not going to sit here and crap on everybody because, again, then I'm doing the same thing he does. and I don't want to be a hypocrite. But I'm a big fan of... The Young Bucks. I think they're great. And also, while I always get people going, yeah, when I say this, if it wasn't for them, if it's not for Cody Rhodes, we don't have AEW. I know Tony Khan came in and made it happen because he had the money, but it, it's not one thing. Lightning is not striking in one place here. Like my Facebook feed threw out a picture of four years ago when I interviewed Cody at WCPW, rest his peace, four years ago. So <laughs> I said four years ago twice. And it just, it did, it's not me, people can say, oh, I'm going to blow smoke up Cody's ass. All right, fine. If he wants it, he can have it. I think he's done really well. But to think in 2016, he was doing that to now being one of the most important people in wrestling. And yes, helping create this competitive wrestling company. I think it's incredible. And if you don't like what they're doing, I still think it's incredible. And look, just to counterbalance it, I think WWE is incredible too. Look what they've created. I think it's amazing. They're bigger than me. So how can I sit here and say anything else? But that's what I think about the Young Bucks. Uh, Sarah says, why doesn't WWE retire the 24-7 title? It's a great question. I don't know. They absolutely should retire it um, or do away with it or, or, or change the concept of it. Like, I love R-Truth. I think R-Truth is just the best. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. And I think he should go into the Hall of Fame. And I think there should always be a place for him on WWE TV. But we're just going round in circles now when it comes to the 24-7 title. That stuff at Survivor Series, the gobbledygooker. The gobbledygooker, which is well-renowned to be one of the worst things in professional wrestling ever or in WWE. And we're, you know, we're making a joke out of it and we're tying in the 24-7 title, which tells you straight away that the 24-7 title is a joke. <laughs> it just, I don't get it. I think it needs to change gears. I think we need to come up with a new concept for it, a new gimmick. A little bit of trivia for you. It was Drew Gulak playing the gobbledygooker, so I bet he's well glad he re-signed. I say that. He's probably making a bunch of money. Good for him. I also need to know now what I'm meant to take away from the gobbledygooker. He went after that bird seed, and that's why he lost the title. So he's not a man in a costume. He's a real bird. Because men or women or humans or whatever don't want to eat bird seed unless they're freaks. So I guess the gobbledygooker could be a freak. But I'm very, very confused about that. I don't want it to go away because I'm worried that our truth wouldn't have a, a place in the lineup. And I want our truth to have <laughs> I want our truth to always have a place in the lineup. But I do not get excited about seeing that title anymore, which was a shame. Because there was a part early on when I actually thought it was quite entertaining. But everything runs its course. And when you book something like that, it's going to run its course quite quickly. The thing the WWE fails to do sometimes is evolve and change and progress. And I think that's what's happened here, but you know. It's 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 a mystery, like ever like evolution. Mark says, Simon, what did you think about Kevin Nash attacking CM Punk when he lost his title? CM Punk, CM Punk. Look, it's at the time. Don't get mad. At the time, I was very excited, and when I say at the time, I mean literally, literally when it happened. 
I was like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, I, I didn't see it coming, right? I was shocked to see him come back. But then when you saw how it all came together, yes, I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. It was a, you know, Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 18. It was Dolph Ziggler when he held the, the, the big gold belt. It just felt like we are not getting behind CM Punk, even though every single thing is screaming at you to get behind this guy. He's your guy. He's who everybody wants. But he wasn't who WWE wanted to push, which is super difficult because it's their company. They can do whatever they want, but not sort of embracing that is always going to come back to bite you in your ass. So, And I still enjoyed that promo they had when uh, CM Punk, <laughs> LOL, thought he was dead. That's really, really fun stuff, but there was nothing in a CM Punk versus Kevin Nash feud. I don't think it's something that anybody wanted to see. Um, and it derailed him, is, is is what it did. And if you go back and watch it now, and the summer of punk, as they called it, I know he came back and did his 434-day title reign or whatever it was. But by that point, we'd already taken off the luster just a little bit, and I do not know why we did that. And it probably wasn't for the best. But again, in WWE's eyes, and they're right to a certain extent, Kevin Nash is a huge star, and punk should be honored to work with him. But that's not how the fans saw it. So that's not what they should have done. They absolutely shouldn't have done it. So yeah, madness, I tell you, madness. Rachel says, what do you think about Xavier Woods actually getting the G4 gig? I think it's awesome. That guy pushed for it. He wanted it. He was so passionate about when he got it. Xavier Woods should be a hero for everybody. Like, you know, he wanted to be a wrestler, he became a wrestler. He's got about 72 degrees. He loves video games, so he started a YouTube channel. He wanted to host G4, now he's hosting G4. He got on Gears of War. He's becoming like Chris Jericho levels of tickboxing. I really like Xavier Woods. I think he's a positive, decent presence in this world. And he makes me very happy. Uh, he makes me very happy. So I just thought it was awesome. I think it was awesome. And I'm going to watch. I don't know how I'm going to watch. But um, I don't know what their new their new setup is. But I'll absolutely tune in as soon as I can. Of course I would. Why the hell wouldn't I? Um, where are we going to go next? couple more. Chris says, do you think John Cena will ever come back to WWE? I mean, probably. Why the hell not? He's got loads of opportunities in hollywood at the moment he's going to be in suicide squad and he has a movie based on his character i think an hbo uh, like uh, episodic show so he doesn't need to come back but something will come up which will entice him he is sounds more disrespectful than i mean it he's a level beneath the rock in the sense the rock is the biggest actor in hollywood so he could probably get cleared easier it would still be very, very difficult. But I don't think, unlike The Rock who kind of segued out of it and has kind of segued out of it again, I think when John Cena decides that he's done, you're going to get a super duper blow-off match just because different times, different career, was such a tenure for that company for such a amount of time. I don't think you could get away with him just vanishing. But look, more power to him as well. It's absolutely great. The Rock opened that door. But you look at someone like Batista, who's kind of picking, choosing his roles. Batista was in Blade Runner. I mean, that's, that's, uh, the reason I say that is because Kevin Nash did an interview the other day where he said the same thing. I was like, it's true. Flipping it, Batista was in Blade Runner, the sequel, obviously. And if you look at all those three guys, Batista, The Rock, and John Cena, they're all kind of doing different things. So it is really, really cool to see it. And don't pretend you don't enjoy seeing wrestlers in movies. Yes, we do. We all do it. And we shall finish with this one from Sammy, who says, Simon, do you think The Undertaker will ever wrestle again? You can't say no, because every time you watch him in interviews, he won't say no. He feels like he's done. And there is a rumor going around that Vince McMahon has finally accepted that character is dead. But it's Vince McMahon, and uh, there's such a strong relationship there that if he did ask, Taker probably would come back. I don't think it's for the best. I think when you do big retirement ceremonies like that and then undermine them, you uh, yeah, you kind of chop your nose off despite despite your face, whatever hell that phrase is. I, and I also don't know what else we can... What hasn't he done? Like, people want the cinematic Sting match. I'm not massively fussed about that. It would be cool, but I think we've kind of gone past the point where it would have the impact that it would have done otherwise. I do want a Hall of Fame departure so he can have his moment in front of the fans. It's still one of my favorite characters ever. You know, the Kane versus Taker storyline will always be up there for me. I love it. I was watching the uh, Brother of the Destruction documentary the other day. And some of the behind-the-scenes footage and watching them talk about it just put a smile on my face. But look, all good things come to an end. And this is just a natural end for The Undertaker. He's 55 years old. He's got two fake hips. We, we've hit the wall. You know, We've hit the wall. If he wants to come back and wrestle till he's 70, I say this on every podcast, let him do it. Let him wrestle on every single wrestling match until, until he wants to go away. Because it's like what I do. That's the way I always compare it. If I somehow get to 65 and I'm some old dude reviewing wrestling... I mean, hopefully other opportunities will come my way. But if I am and I'm enjoying myself, I don't want to give it up. 
even if my podcasts aren't as good as me going, oh, I miss Roman Reigns. Like, if I'm enjoying myself and I'm making a good, decent living out of it and it ticks my boxes and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum, I don't think anybody else should be able to tell you to stop. And I, don't, I honestly don't think it ruins his legacy. I don't. His legacy is cemented in stone. He can come out as Doink the Clown now. I just forget about it. I don't need to worry about that. I'm going to focus about when he got choke slammed through his parents' graves. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. And on that ridiculous note, we, we shall finish it off. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Again, if you fancy checking out my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash simonmiller316. Uh, please do come give me a follow on twitter and instagram come have a chat also usually on my twitter account is where i ask for questions so if you want to ask a question you can uh, we'll definitely be back next wednesday i'm going to try and do others here and there even if they're shorter just to uh connect the dots a little bit better than i'm doing now uh, otherwise simon.bigcartel.com if you do want to buy somebody a lovely simon miller t-shirt for christmas which seems ludicrous me actually saying that and again on patreon i can send you a cameo type message i can send you a postcard you can just check it out you can see what's going down I think that's it. That's enough pimping. Check out What Culture Wrestling 2, obviously. Check out my YouTube channel, just search for Simon Miller. And again, just the, the biggest appreciation from me. Like we had that message earlier of someone saying they just enjoy me talking into a microphone for an hour. That truly bowls me over. I don't want to get all sappy and emotional at the end of here, but it does. And I am massively appreciative of it. And I've had a lot of time to kind of think about these things recently, being in lockdown 2.0. And long may all this continue. I would appreciate it muchly. The word of the day is appreciated, apparently. So I appreciate you and I appreciate this. Take care and I'll talk to you soon.